0: All right everybody doing okay this morning man it's, it's been good already right I love it man I love to uh, be able to worship together as the body of christ and uh, man it's uh, always exciting to be able to just draw near as we as we are getting close to Easter you know I was thinking about the announcements there in the 21 days of, of prayer that we 're moving towards you know we 're preparing our hearts for what God wants to do in us and through us uh, as the church you know uh, this is uh, one of those uh, seasons or one of those times of the year whenever people are more open to going to church if we'll invite them. And so, I want want you to be praying about who you're going to invite. I want you to maybe even right now, you you write down a name or you put it in your phone or whatever, and you go, you know what, I'm going to start praying for this person. And it needs to be somebody that's not involved in church, not connected. You know, maybe they're—you know they're lost. You know know that, I mean, they don't have a relationship with Christ. And you go, you know what, I'm going to start praying for them by name. And uh, and so, I want you to be thinking about who that might be and who you might be able to invite. But here's the thing, I want you to be praying that God would work in you and on you as we move towards Easter— You know, that Easter, to me, is more impactful maybe than it's ever been. It's more of a worship experience for ourselves than we've ever experienced because of our walk and our closeness to Christ. And so, as we move through this series, we're going to be kind of moving towards the cross, if you will. And we're going to be unpacking the last days of Jesus. And so, we're going to look at some of the different events that took place in there. And some of them we know. You know, we go, hey, man, I, I get that one. I remember that one. That's a that's kind of a big deal. But today I want us to look at one that maybe kind of hits a little bit closer to home. Is uh, And we're talking about where is your treasure? And, you know, you might be thinking, all right, which, which one is this? You know, which, which story are we talking about? What event happened that uh, we would ask, where is your treasure? We kind of talked about a little bit of that last week about where our heart is. That's where our treasure is, right? You know, and so— You know, so where is your treasure? And uh, so today we're going to be looking at a story in Matthew, and this is where Jesus is anointed uh, by Mary, uh, and she's identified by Mary, actually in John, but uh, this is Mary and uh, Martha. If you know the story of Mary and Martha, where Martha comes to Jesus, she's upset because Mary is— Sitting at the feet of Jesus, she's listening to Jesus, and uh, and Martha's like, "Hey, we got a lot to do, you know." And some of you guys, who ladies who are Marthas, or some of you ladies who you know want to be Marys or whatever, but you are a Martha, you know, and you you kind of relate to that, and so she's aggravated. So she goes to Jesus, she wants Jesus to scold Mary, and 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 Jesus doesn't. She said, "Hey, man, Jesus, I mean, Mary has chosen the better thing," and and so this is that Mary that we're talking about. So we're going to kind of unpack this today as she brings her treasure to Jesus. Says when Jesus had finished saying all these things. He said to his disciples, as you know, the Passover begins in two days, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Now, I don't know if about you guys, but that's pretty clear right there, right? He says, uh, in two days, the Son of Man will be handed over to, the, to be crucified. And he was talking about himself. They knew that he referred to himself as the Son of Man. And, uh, and so, they knew who Jesus was talking about, and so he is telling these guys. But the only thing is, this is not necessarily what the disciples wanted. They didn't want Jesus to be crucified. They wanted him to come in and take over, you know, and put, put Rome in its place, right? And to give them back the freedoms that they thought they deserved. And maybe just establish, kind of reestablish themselves as being in charge. Not necessarily that Jesus was the Messiah. Even though they were the disciples, they were following him around. Many had said, hey, you are the Messiah. But Jesus sometimes has a different plan than what we have. And we've got to be willing to say, God, you know, I, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And if that is what you're wanting done, then I'm okay with that. But it's not it's not gonna be my first choice. You know, I think that's how we have to look at it sometimes. But here's the thing it's always the best choice if it's the center of God's will. It may not be the safest, may not be the easiest, but it's always the best choice when we choose to line up with God's will. So Jesus Jesus, Jesus had, uh, had had said these things and and he's he's t- talking to his disciples, and he makes it clear, hey man, this is where I'm going. I'm going to the cross. At that same time, the leading priests and elders were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas the high priest plotting how to capture Jesus secretly and kill him and so here Matthew is doing a good job he's, he's talking about you know Jesus saying hey, listen this is where I'm headed I'm headed to the cross I'm moving to the cross you know and so I want you guys to understand that so they they hear it they don't always understand right they don't always grasp it and they hear things it's not necessarily what we want to hear And sometimes we don't want to hear certain things. We kind of block them out. We say, you know, he probably didn't mean that. She probably didn't mean it. But here's the thing. It's what we need to hear. And so he is preparing them. But here's the thing is the the religious leaders, they're preparing for the cross as well, right? And uh, so Caiaphas, who hated Jesus, I mean, he, you know, he was the uh, leading member of the Sanhedrin. And they were the ones that had the most to lose if Jesus literally continued to teach this message called the way. Because they were going to have to give up their rule and their reign. And they had a lot of authority through the, uh, the Romans. And so, this is kind of messing up their status quo, if you will. So, they didn't like that. And so, they're, they're plotting to kill Jesus. But they said, but not during the Passover celebration. They agreed, or the people may riot. Because the people really like Jesus. Now, here's the thing. People are fickle, right? Because we know that, you know, the, these religious leaders were able to stir the crowd, stir the mob, if you will, into uh, hey, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, Right? And so, they, they just literally were swayed by whatever. And oftentimes, Jesus even addressed this. The, the people that were following him, many of them were following because they just wanted bread. They wanted, they wanted handouts. It wasn't they really wanted to follow Christ. They just wanted what he had to offer. And a lot of people live that way, right? We just want what Jesus can give us. We want to be able to get into heaven. Uh, Hey, man, we want to have peace, but we don't really want to serve Jesus. We don't really want to serve the body of Christ. We don't want to really do all those things. We don't really want to give. We just want what we can get, right? That's kind of the mentality that some people have. And so, Jesus is anointed at Bethany, and this is where we we hear about Mary. This is the story that we see here. So, meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. I mean, he's even known as Simon, Simon the leper. And so here's another thing that testifies to his to, to one of Jesus' miracles that he had been healed. Simon had been healed of leprosy. There's nobody going to a leper's house and hanging out. I'm just telling you, you know. And so Jesus, all these people, the disciples, they would not have been gathered in the home of someone with a lep that was a leper. They would th- those people usually were kept outside of the city. And they actually used to, at times, would have to wear a bell around their neck, kind of like a a goat would, you know, to uh, let people know that they were walking. Like, uh, you know, that bell's ringing, and they would know, and they would actually have to say, unclean, unclean. They're walking through, and so it was so that you didn't touch them, because they knew that, man, hey, you didn't want the leprosy. That's where your flesh would rot and literally fall off your bones. You know, I mean, it was horrible disease. But yet, Jesus would touch lepers. He would literally touch lepers and heal them. And so, here is a guy who had had leprosy, who his life had been radically changed, and they're literally at his home. And so, not only has it changed the Simon, but it changed everybody's mentality towards Simon. Because before that, they would have never even come close to him, but now they're in his home. And while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. It's talking about Jesus. So, Jesus is sitting at the table— you know, and, and uh, you got to understand a little bit more about Mary. Let me kind of give you a little bit more background about Mary. So, Mary was also the one that was the, uh, the sister of Lazarus. So, Mary and Martha, if you'll remember, kind of, you know, like I said, I told you a little bit earlier about the uh, little squabble where, hey, you know, uh, Jesus, will you tell her to get up and help me? But also, they had sent words to Jesus, if you'll come back, Lazarus is sick. Your friend Lazarus is sick. And so, Jesus delayed a couple of days, and then he comes back. And whenever he gets back, you know, everybody's like, uh, you know, well, he's dead, and Jesus is like no he's he's not dead he's he's just sleeping and everybody kind of snickered like what in the world man he's dead and so he tells him to roll the stone away and and his sister literally says hey Jesus you know he's been dead for a couple of days and the the smell is going to be horrible and Jesus said roll it away and he calls Lazarus out of the tomb and so the same Mary is that sister Mary and Martha right the the sister of, of Lazarus they had seen Jesus literally raise their brother from the dead so they, they're they're they understand who Jesus is. They get it. You know, even G- Jesus asked, you know, Mary, do you, do you believe uh, who I say I am? He goes, yes, you're the Messiah. Yes, you're the promised one. And, but man, I mean, it changed everything. It impacted their life, right? So while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. And then we read in John where he, he, she would even put it on his feet and she would wipe his feet with her hair. Her tears were dripping onto his, his feet. I mean, it's a beautiful picture that we see here. And the disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. You know, when you hear that word indignant, you're like, you know what? They were aggravated. They were, they were just uh, taken back. They couldn't believe that this waste was being done. I mean, even though this is supposed to be the Son of God, the Messiah, this is Jesus, Right? You would think you would, hey, ben, let's bring our best, but they're indignant that this woman is putting this, this expensive perfume on Jesus. I mean, they're, they're, they're mad. They're aggravated. They're going, man, that money could have been used for other. And if you read in one of the Gospels, it says that it was Judas who started this and said, hey, that's a year's wages. That could have been sold and given to the poor. Not because he really cared about the poor, it's just he had been stealing from the, the treasury, and he thought, hey, you know, it'd be more money for me. It could have been sold for a high price in the money given to the poor. I mean, you know, I mean, that sounds like a, a reasonable thing, right? Most of us would go, hey, that sounds good. Let's, let's not do anything special or extravagant or beautiful for Jesus. Let's sell that and give to the poor. But look at what Jesus' response is, which kind of catches us by surprise a little bit. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? He said, listen, it's okay. I mean, it, she's listening. She's understanding. You will always have the poor among you. But you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. Remember, he said I was going to be crucified. And he's saying, hey, I'm going to die. He said, but I'll rise again. I'll, I'll, you know, I'm coming back, and I'm going, to, I'm going to literally destroy death. I'm going to destroy sin. I'm going to destroy the grave. I'm going to defeat all that. And he's going to offer eternal life. And so, here's the thing. She's picking up what he's putting down, Right. I mean, she understands. She's getting it. She goes, hey, I watched him raise my brother to life. I believe that he can do what he says he can do. But for whatever reason, the disciples are still, you know, that, that, that little bit of faith, that small faith that Jesus often had to rebuke and say, oh, ye of little faith. But man, she gets it. But look at what Jesus says. He says, you'll always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. He goes, hey, listen, this is a special moment in time. And I think it's important for us to take those moments to do and to honor things, you know, and to honor people and, and to honor a moment. I think it's important to do that. You know, I think it's cool to, to, to take a moment, to, to celebrate a birthday, to celebrate an anniversary. You know, I think those things are important. I, I think it's cool that when we celebrate baptism, and I think, you know, hey, you, you celebrate your spiritual birthday. If you can figure out whatever your spiritual birthday is, you know, you say, you know what, I'm going to celebrate that every year, just like you celebrate your physical birthday. I think we take those moments. I think it's important to mark a moment. You know, when we give an invitation at the end of a service, we often say, hey, man, the altar is open. There's people that will pray with you. But, man, there's something about getting up, walking down, getting on your knees before a holy God and saying, God, I'm marking this moment by releasing this, by laying this down, by letting it go. And there's something powerful about marking that moment. And so, I think we have to say, you know what, I, I need to make this decision. I want to go public with it. I want to be baptized. I want to go public. I want to lay this down. I mean, I'm going to establish accountability. There's something powerful about marking those moments. And Jesus said, hey, listen, man, this is a special moment. Look at this. He said, I'll tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. What are we doing? I mean, we're, we're fulfilling what Jesus said, right? We're talking about what she did that was literally rebuked by the, by the disciples. And so Jesus said, listen, man, this is a special moment. This is a special thing. And this will be told over and over and over about how, how she worshipped the one true king, how, how she gave her best. So she expressed pure worship of Jesus. Man, there was nothing holding her back, right? I mean, she was literally worshiping him. Whenever, you know, Martha and her were supposed to be uh, maybe cleaning up, she's sitting at his feet. She's locked in. She's listening. She's focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of her faith. And here she comes in. She anoints his head with this expensive perfume worth about a year's wages. And literally she anoints his head. She gets down and she wipes his feet. She weeps with her tears and washes his feet and wipes it with her hair. I mean, and so she is so focused on Jesus, and sometimes we come in here, man, we're so focused on everything else. We're focused on bills. We're focused on people. We're focused on everything else but Jesus. And we gather to worship. And here's the thing, we, what we should do is like, God, let me, let me remove all those distractions. Let me focus on you. And so we can learn a lot from Mary about really focused and pure worship. Not that it's just, hey, let me give him my leftovers. Let me give him just a little bit, but let me give him everything. Let me give him everything I've got. So, she expressed pure worship. She brought her very best. You know, this jar, this alabaster jar, just even what the jar was made out of was something special. And so, uh, the jar was expensive. The nard perfume that was in there was the most expensive thing that you could anoint uh, any, a body with in those, day, those days, right? So, it was like the most expensive to so a year's wage. So, you think about what you make in a year, and that's what she brought as a gift to honor God, to honor Jesus, Right? And so she brought that, and she begins to anoint his head, and she begins to anoint him all over. And so she knew, you know, he's going to to be crucified. And she might have said, hey, this may be my only opportunity to to anoint him. I don't know what the Romans are going to do. I don't know what the soldiers are going to do. I don't know what the Sanhedrin is going to do. I don't know what they're going to do. But she brought her very best. And I love this. She planned this moment. I mean, it's not like she walked around with it in her pocket— you know what I'm saying? It's not like she. Uh, hey, let me let me pull up my, my you know my loose change here. She brought the very best that she had. It probably kept somewhere special. It may have been handed down. It may have been something she had inherited. It may have been something that she had worked really hard for. But the thing is, it was the best that she had. And here's what I love. She planned this moment. And see, I think sometimes you know we'll tip, but I think whenever we plan, I I, I think about worship. You know, this morning we were praying as we this morning we were praying that our our songs would be. Uh, pleasing to God's ear that we would worship Him in truth and spirit. The worship that we bring, our focus. But even whenever we give, whenever we give at the end of the service and we take up an offering, that's worship. And so, that it's not we're tipping God. We're not just kind of throwing in our, but we're going, you know, we planned for this moment. You know, we planned for that and we go, you know what, God, I want to bring you my best. I want to bring what you deserve. And so, she planned this moment. She, it's not like it just happened. And She had seen Lazarus, uh, raised, her brother raised from the dead. She knew she knew what it was like. He'd been brought to life. She knew who this was. And she understood what Jesus was teaching and believed him. That's, that's kind of the key thing to me. She, she was listening. She understood. She heard it. She moved on it, right? And she believed. She was picking it up, man. And she anointed Jesus for burial. Again, Jesus points it out. He said, hey, listen, what she has done, she's anointed me with, with, uh, for burial. You guys haven't thought about this. But, man, she has. So, don't, but don't be getting on to her. If anything, you ought to be honoring her for what she's done. She's done the right thing. You're focused on yourself still. So, here's, here's the next thing. And Matthew does a good job of sometimes sandwiching stories in between things. And so, he, he's talking about, you know, the, the fair, I mean the Sadducees, you know, and everything they're trying to do to the Sanhedrin there. They're trying to destroy Jesus. And then down here, we see Judas who would betray him. And so, there's Mary in between. So, you've got messed up got it right, messed up. And so we can all go, you know what? We could probably do that around through here, like messed up, got it right, messed up, got it right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just how it works. And then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest and asked, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? I mean, this is one of his disciples, right? This is one that had been around him, had been hearing the same things that Mary had been hearing, but the heart's different. The reaction's different. The focus is different. Everything's different, right? And so, you look at that, and you go, you know, what, what, you know, what's so different between the two? They're around Jesus. They, they saw the miracles. They, they've experienced the same thing. They've been in the same vicinity, but yet Judas' heart is hard, you know, and it's not about worship of Jesus. And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. We've heard that, right? 30 pieces of silver. And from that, that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. So, 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 Judas is going, hey, what will you pay me to betray him? Like, I'm done. I mean, I've heard what he's saying. I'm not sure I'm I'm, I'm buying it. I'm not sure I'm in, you know. And uh, he said, "Hey, listen. So, what can I gain from this? So, what's in it for me? Not what can I get. What can I get?" And I think that's our mentality sometimes with God. We go, "Hey, man, if I put my faith in Christ, what do I get out of this? If I really say I want to follow Jesus, what am, what am I going to get? Not what you know. Not what can I give. Not here is my life, Lord. Just use it however you can, God. I just want to be a vessel. But God, what what am I going to get out of this? Am I getting heaven? Am I getting peace?" You know, what do I get out of this? And here, you know, Judas said, hey, man, what do I get? And so, Judas sells out Jesus for maybe a month's wages. Maybe a month's wages. So, 30 pieces of silver was pretty good, you know, he thought. But it's only a month's wages that he sold out the Son of God. He would betray him. You know, and here's a young lady who would worship him with, man, the best that she had. A year's wages. I mean, that was all she had. That was the best she had. And so, Judas wanted a Messiah. It's not a crucified one. And so I think that's important. You know, he wanted a Messiah. I believe that. I mean, he wanted a Messiah, but he didn't want one that was going to be crucified. I mean, if you'll remember, the crucifixion was the most humiliating way to die. They hung you there on a cross with your sins, your, not your sins, but your, your crimes above your head. You know, king of the Jews is all that they had above Jesus, but he was hung there naked most likely, not with anything wrapped around him like we see in pictures. That's just trying to give it some decency, but most likely they were hung there naked and they were nailed there, and they would literally, people would walk by, and it was like, hey man, if you mess with Rome, that's what you get. And so, you know, no, you know, he did not want that kind of leader. He wanted one that was going to have power and authority, maybe live in a palace, and he thought, hey, well, maybe I'll be the treasurer, because he was the treasurer of the disciples, right? And So, hey, I'll be the treasurer for Jesus, and so that there'll be, you know, there would be prestige with that, there'll be power with that, there'll be authority with that, and so that's what he was looking for. And so, Judas wanted power and wealth. It was all about the money. It's what he could get for himself, not what he could give, not what he could do, but it's what he could get. So, it's that mentality, and sometimes we would never want to, you know, I guess relate ourselves to Judas, but do you have that, hey, what's in it for me mentality, or do you have in it, hey, God, what can I do for you mentality? Judas did not understand what Jesus was teaching. Like I said, you know, Mary, she got it. She understood, all right, he's going to die. He's going to be crucified. You know, but, hey, I'm going to rise again. In three days, you know, I'll, be, I'll restore everything. And yet, Judas heard the same teaching, but didn't, he didn't pick it up, man. He wasn't getting it. And so, Jesus teaches about money and possessions because he knew how we would be about our money. I always joke about it, you know, but we act funny when we start talking about money, right? Because we love money, and a lot of times it becomes the idol in your life. It becomes the God in your life. Little g, God. But it becomes, you know, so important that it's about money and stuff and things that we forget, we really, as believers, we're to be about the kingdom of God. And, and, and it's not about what I can get, it's what I get to give. And it's whenever we go, you know what, God, I, I want to I be able to give. And so Jesus talks about this, and He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Now, most of us would joke and say, hey, listen, we don't have to worry about that anymore. It's just the newest style, the latest trend, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, but then again, everything comes back around. I remember a couple of years ago, everybody was wearing bell bottoms and like, dude, what in the world? Who would bring those back, you know? Or I see kids walking around with mullets. There's a mullet around here somewhere, you know? And I'm like, man, who would have brought that back, you know? I mean, what in the world? And, and so, you know, they'll bring all kinds of stuff back. But anyway, you know, the trends and stuff will change a lot of that. It says, store your treasures in heaven, where moth and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal, you only have to worry about somebody stealing it, right? You can say, "Man, I, I'm, I'm storing up treasures in heaven. Man, I'm making a difference. You know, and I'm doing something that matters forever." So wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So Jesus is addressing that. He's like, "Hey man, wherever your heart's at, whatever you love the most, you know that's your treasure. That, that's it. So if you love your house the most, more than Jesus, that's really your treasure." If you love your car the most, if you love your bank account the most, if you love—you know, if it's just—whatever that might be, you love that the most, that's, that's where your, your desire is going to be, right? So no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, and you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, money's just a tool. I tell people all the time, money's just a tool. There's nothing bad about money. It's your love of money that gets in the way. It's your love of money. It's your love, it, it becomes idolatry. But money's just a tool. It's something that we use to pay our bills. It's something we use to to give and to, you know, to, and to further the kingdom. It's just, it's just a tool. There's nothing wrong with it. It's our love for it that gets in the way. So our worship matters to God. And I think this is important. So how we worship is, is vital. And so, whether it's giving, whether it's, you know, serving, whether it's singing, whether it's dancing, whatever it might be, you know, the, all our worship matters got to God. I think most of us know that. So, let's go back to the very beginning. So, here in uh, Genesis 4, 1 through 7. So, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. And, she, and when she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. So, that's a gift from God. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. So, both of them kind of of have different jobs, which is normal, right? And so, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. So, he just brought some of it, kind of like the the leftovers, if you will, or not the best. But Abel also brought a gift, the best portion of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift. I think it's important for us to remember that. Now, some of us kind of go, you know, why would God do that? Is God showing favoritism? No, God's got a standard. You know, and, and I, like I said, I think sometimes we we want everybody to, you know, kind of, well, hey, if they brought something, you know, at least don't, you know, accept it. Well, here's the thing is, it may be what, not the standard that God set. And you got to be willing to say, you know what, God, you are God, I'm not. And I, sometimes we get offended. God, God offended here, if you will. And so it's okay for God to offend if it's not the right thing, if it's not the best thing, right? But he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. That sounds like he was offended, right? So he's downcast, and and so God goes to him. God speaks to him about it. So why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You'll be accepted if you do what is right. If you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. And so here we see that, you know, God, God answers this. He speaks to this. And we would go, why would, why would God not? Because he didn't do what was right. And so let's look at this. So Cain presented some of his crops. He presented some of his crops like, hey, I'll, I'll give a little bit. Or, uh, and, and maybe he just said, hey, listen, these are about to wilt. These are about to go bad. You know what? I'll give those because I could eat these other ones. Whatever he may have done, I don't know. I wasn't there, right? But he presented some of his crops, but not his best. If he had given his best, it would have been clear, but he didn't. He just gave some of his crops. And then Abel brought the best portions of the firstborn lambs. So Abel brought the best that he had, the best portions. I think back to Mary. She brought the best that she had. So the question is, do I bring the best that I have? Do you bring the best that you have? Do you bring the first portions? Do you bring the, the best that you have? When it comes to worship, whenever you sing, do you give God your best? Whenever you get in here, do you get focused on Him? Or are you focused on everything else? You know, or, or do you come in here and you go, you know what, God, I'm going to sing to you? You know, I'm going to make a joyful noise. We were joking—I would laughing about that a few minutes ago. Tony was upstairs singing. Somebody said, hey, man, can you cut that out? And he goes, hey, man, the Bible says to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, right? And so, sometimes our joyful noise is joyful to God and God only, right? But uh, we got to be willing to do that. But Abel brought the the best portions of the firstborn lambs, So, he brought the first portions. And I think that's important as well, the the best portions. So, he brought the first fruits. And so, let me just share this. I wrote a, a devotion this past week that we sent out to our legacy team. And, and so, for me, one of the very first things that I do is, like, I have my giving automated. And some of you say, well, that just seems too mechanical for you. But for me, it's the first fruits. It's the very first thing. When I get paid, the very first thing I do is I tithe. I give—I return more than that. I give more than a tithe. And it's not to brag, but it's just because I want to be a part of giving to the kingdom. I believe that, you know, what I give makes an impact. You know, and we get to be a part of that. And so, it's the very first thing I give. It's not like I get to the end of the month and go, hey, man, I got a little bit left over. Let me throw a little bit in there to God. That's not the way I do that. I go, God, I want to be a part of the kingdom. I want to literally invest in the kingdom. So, we give, Lori and I give as soon as we are paid, it's automated. And if I go out of town, you know what? It's automated. You know, if I go on vacation, it's automated. It's there. And so, I believe in what God is doing in this place. And I believe that, you know, the Bible says bring it to the storehouse. So, we do that. So I, I think it's important for us to give the first fruits. So I love the statement. It's not just that we give, but it's why we give. What's the why behind that? Why do we give? When we give, I think it's important when you give that. You know, I believe it ought to be one of the first things. When you're blessed, you bless. When you're blessed, you bless. Right. And so it's it's when we give the attitude with which you give. You give as a joyful giver. Like to me, I get excited about giving. It's not like I go, man, I sure could use that in some other place. I go, you know what? I get to give. I get to tithe. I get to return. I get to bless. I get to be a part of that. You know, so the attitude with which you give and the portion we give, I think, is important. I think it needs to be that first fruit. And so, that's that's vital that we do that. So, God cares about all the details of our lives, about our worship, right? And He cares about the details of how we give. So, God cares about how I worship. God cares about how I give. God cares about how I serve. God cares about how I think. God cares about how I talk. He cares about the details of my life. So, we can't just kind of compartmentalize and say, hey, listen, this one he cares about, this one I'm not so sure. No, he cares about all the details of my life. And I think it's important that we go, you know what, God, I want to honor you with how I do these things. So, what we see with Mary is total submission to Jesus. I think that's, that's huge. I mean, she's totally submitted to him, right? And then look at this. She sat at his feet and focused on him. When was the last time that you really just sat still and just focused on Jesus? When was the last time that you just said, you know, I'm just going to take about an hour which may seem like an eternity. I mean, I'm just going to focus on Jesus. I want to hear Him. I mean, I want, to, I want to listen to Him. I want to do what He says. I want to honor Him. So when was the last time that you took the time just to focus on Him? She brought her best and she anointed Him. So what, when was the last time that you brought your very best in worship? And, and, and however that might be. You know, how we live our life, to me, is worship. It's not just singing a song— I mean, it's not just playing the guitar, but to me, it's how I live. It's my daily life. How I live is my worship to God. Do I worship Him? You know, and, and I love the fact that she anointed Him. She brought, said, you know, it's all for you. My best is for you. She brought her best. She humbled herself and wiped His feet with her hair. You th- go, if, maybe you want to go back and read about what Mary did, but she's down there literally drying off His feet with her hair. What a—what a, what a picture of humility. She surrendered everything to Jesus. You know, there's there's times we will give some things to Jesus. And then sometimes we want to try to take that back. And um, I think about, you know, like raising kids. We go, you know, God, I'm giving them to you. But then we want to control everything. We got to be able to say, God, I, I trust you. God, I, I give you my kids. God, I give you my business. God, I give you my I give you my job. I give you my family. God, I give you everything. And she surrendered everything. I mean, she was following him. She gave the best that she had. Man, I mean, her, her life was an example of someone following and truly worshiping. What a, what a great person to, live, uh, to learn from. And then here's the question Where is your treasure? See, I, I believe that God reveals this, and I believe that we know this, right? So, where is your treasure? Where, where's your heart? Where's your passion? What is really your focus, your desires? And then here's a, the next question. Will you bring your best to Jesus? See, I, I love it whenever we bring the very best that we've got to Jesus and we say, Jesus, this is all I've got. So I can remember at the age of 19 going, you know, you know I, I wanted to be saved. And I was like, you know, God, here's my life. I, I'll give it to you. But a year later, God began to deal with me about ministry. And I can remember thinking God I'm not getting up in front of people I'm not leading worship I, you know, every, I was telling him all these things I wasn't going to do I've had to do every one of those Or I've got to do every one of them right But I can remember saying God I don't know I don't know how you're going to use me But God here, here is my life I give you everything and, and I look back and I realize you know God will take anybody That is willing to say hey I give you everything And the best I had was all that I had right I mean I'm 19 years old I was 20 years old when I surrendered to the ministry I really didn't have a whole lot to offer but I just said God here I am I want to be your vessel and so so my question for you is what will you bring what will you give what will you surrender and what will you let god use for his kingdom and for his purposes i want to ask you just about your heads and close your eyes and i believe the holy spirit's been speaking to all of us today i know he's been speaking to me all week about what am i bringing this the best that i've got And so let me ask you, are you willing to give God your best? Have you just been given leftovers? Have you just been given maybe what is expected or what's accepted or what God says? And I'll just tell you this, the best decision you can make is to give give your life to Jesus. And I don't know if you realize this, but you— are jesus's treasure he left heaven to come here for you you are his treasure his desire was to do the will of the father but his desire was to redeem you to redeem me to save us to heal us to use us to reach others so maybe right now you just go you know what jesus thank you for loving me so much See, He poured out not just perfume. He poured out His precious blood for you and for me. He poured out His precious blood on an old Roman cross to wash away my sins and your sins. That's how much He loves us. And maybe today, the, the one thing you can do is say, Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my life. I come to you right now with all the faith that I have. And Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe what you are teaching. I want to be like Mary. I want to believe what you say. So I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you went to the cross for me. So Jesus, with all the faith that I have, I put my faith in you. So Jesus, will you come into my heart? Will you be my leader? Will you be my Lord? And his answer is yes. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. And so God says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. So God will forgive us. But here's the thing. He calls us to repentance, to stop doing what we've been doing and start doing what we should be doing. And that's following him. That's worshiping him. That's living for him. So what will you do with what God has given you? Maybe you're here today and you just put your faith in Christ, man. If you don't mind, let me know that. Just by raising your hands and so, Mike, I just prayed that prayer with you. Anybody in the room? I just prayed that prayer. Maybe you're watching online. If you don't mind, just text my decision to 94000. Let me know. Hey, man, I, I just prayed that prayer with you. But it tells me there's a lot of believers in this room. So my question is, what are you worshiping? Where's your treasure? What matters most to you? God, I just believe that God is calling us and He's moving in our hearts right now. He's calling us to respond with total surrender. In just a minute, the worship team is going to be here at the front. Our worship team is going to lead us uh, in a song. Our prayer team will be pray- here to pray with you guys, but our worship team will come and lead us in a song. And I just want to encourage you to respond as the Holy Spirit leads you to respond. Trust Him. Trust the Holy Spirit. Trust God. Trust God. And I would just say this, just surrender. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, I thank you for what we see in Mary. God, I thank you for what we learn, you know, God, about what's so important to her, should be so important to us. But God, don't let us be like Judas, where it's all about us, what we can get out of something. But God, it's about what we can give. So God, I pray that you'd move in this moment, draw us close, breathe your life into us, God, and reveal Our greatest need today, in Jesus' name, amen.